With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Magic gave birth to Eternia. The first planet in all of creation. But now the magic is gone. Without magic, Eternia will rot and die. And as goes Eternia, so goes the entire universe. I built a life of truth. Away from magic. Now you want me to save magic? Yes, to save Eternia. If I don't do this, everybody dies. No! Whatever became of Eternia, we'll face it together. No one else dies. But the sword of power was destroyed. Not destroyed. Divided. Whether you serve Grayskull or Snake Mountain, we all gotta work together now. Or else Eternia dies. What were we ever fighting for? Being a hero swallows you whole. Well, that's a risk I'm willing to take. Behold! The Lord of Destruction! Still know the tune? Some things you can never forget. This is Optimus Solo, and welcome to the 125th chapter in our Powers of Grayskull series. With me for this journey into the Masters of the Universe franchise, as he has been with every other chapter, is TFG1 Mike. Hello. Call your champion. Hello. Okay. <laughs> and today we are bringing you a very special episode, so we thought it was fitting to also have a very special guest. So crossing over from the planet of Cybertron is none other than Steve Megatron. Hello, Steve. Yo. Ho and a bottle of oh no that's something else. All yeah. right, today we have the oh, and a bottle of rum. I need a bottle of rum Pirates. right about now. <laughs> I mean, it couldn't hurt you. All right, today we have the privilege of bringing you a very special sneak peek look at the new Netflix series from Kevin Smith, Masters of the Universe Revelation. 
Now this is going to be a two-part episode, guys, in which today we're going to give you all of our non-spoiler thoughts and discussions to help you get excited for the series release on July 23rd. And then right after the series goes live on Netflix on the 23rd, you'll be able to come right back here and get a completely spoiler-filled discussion from us as well. So you get both worlds. But first, since this is Steve's first appearance on the Powers of Grayskull series, we thought we would give him a chance to introduce himself as well as his history with the Masters of the Universe franchise. So, Steve, the floor is yours. Ah, the floor is mine. (laughs) He-Man! That's good. So, yeah, that's about all I can do in his voice right now. But, but yeah, um, I kind of grew up with the... um, the toys and uh, watching some of the original show as well as the, uh, the, the new adventures of He-Man because I remember owning the sword from that and the, uh, <laughs> a lot of the figures from that line. It, don't knock it. I mean, a lot of the designs were pretty neat. It just, I mean, the show may have been terrible, but I, that's, I wouldn't know. That's what I'm knocking is the well, show, not the toys. I, I, I liked the crossover movie of the secret of the sword. Yeah, that was good. Uh, uh, but I owned that on VHS, so I watched it ad nauseum, and I owned the Skeletor staff and the uh, the He-Man uh, power sword from that, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed the designs and <laughs> the characters in that movie. So uh, I, I hadn't seen like I mean I've seen bits and pieces over the years of mm-hmm. the various series, and I've always been a fan of it. It's just not been one of those like. It's not been a Transformers or a Star Trek for me, so yeah, right, makes sense. But it's but it's been one of those ones that's like kind of my second or third tier series that yeah, I'll watch it and really enjoy it when I see it. But it's um, one that I normally didn't seek out. Right, right, makes sense. So that is Steve's background. You should know Mike and my background. Hopefully by now, if not, I mean after ten years, you'd think that they would know. Yeah, we've been through it all. We've been through the Filmation He-Man, the Filmation She-Ra, the New Adventures, the 2002 series, the live-action movie. We've done a little bit of everything um, until Netflix came along, and and now we're trying to catch up with some of that. So with that being said, we hope you guys are ready, because it's time once again to go back to Eternia. The palace is under attack! It's just fireworks. Take it from someone who's seen Battle Cat. All right, so before we get into some of the non-spoiler talk, obviously there has been a lot of hubbub and uh, (laughs) nonsense on the internet, as it is always whenever there's a movie that's being teased or a new series that's being teased or, heck, even toys that are being teased, people lose their minds. So, um, And obviously the person involved in this is a big personality and a a celebrity, you know, a famous person who's done a lot of work in, um, you know, pop culture, really, with uh, all the Jay and Silent Bob stuff and Kevin Smith. So there's been a lot of nonsense that's been circulating around that. So, Michael, let you go first, because uh, I know you wanted to address that a little bit. I just wanted to address and dismiss it very quickly. Like, my opinion of this show had, it never had anything to do with Kevin Smith. My right. opinions of what the content is, what the show that they ended up giving us Kevin Smith to me is a hype man at this point in his career. That's all he is. He'll say whatever he has to say to get people to watch whatever he's doing. Yeah, I think there's one thing, though, that we need to be careful of, and that is the fact that the Internet world takes 
little bits and pieces and mm-hmm. runs with stuff without knowing the context, without understanding due diligence. Like, yeah, without just doing the actual work to like understand what's being said and what's being done. So I am not about to take little snippets and little things that have been said in interviews over the year and blowing them completely out of proportion like this. Okay. The the man is older than us. All right. I don't know. He's older than you, right, Mike? <laughs> he was, okay, so to to to, to, 50, to put this yeah, to yeah. put this into perspective, okay. Mike's already losing his mind. No, 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 I'm fine. To put this <laughs> in perspective, everybody on the internet blew up because in one of his reaction videos to one of the trailers or whatever, or one of the hype videos or whatever it was, he said, "Oh, I've been a Masters fan since 1981 or 1982." Right. Who cares? Te- you got the year Technically, the toys came out in '82, but whatever it is what it is but then people would go back to like an old episode of comic book men where he specifically said on that is i'm not really a he-man fan right but that's the part that gets blown out of proportion see because here's the thing all right if you listen to all of his interviews he says that his parents did not allow him to buy the toys so he had to play with the toys or be exposed to them through his friends um, because mm-hmm. he had already had a lot of different action figures from different series, and his parents were like, you're old, too old at this point to be doing that, so you're cut off from that. So I can easily see him saying like he wasn't uh, like a fan as far as like a super fan. He didn't have the toys. He didn't play, you know, he didn't have that. But that doesn't mean he didn't, he's not aware of what He-Man is. It doesn't mean that he was oblivious to what was going on when he was growing up. Right, um, exactly. I, I equate it, though, to to when I was, because, okay, so when he when He-Man was out, when He-Man came out in October of 83, he was 13 years old. Right. That, to me, is the same way I was with Power Rangers when it debuted in 1993 when I was 13 years old. I very much did, like, I had one Power Rangers toy, and I didn't have it until after the movie came out two years later. But I never had any of the toys. Yes, I watched the show, whatever. So I get it. He was getting to the point of, being a teenager, growing out of cartoons, growing out of toys. I understand that. It's just I wish some people in that that do these things would at least get their facts right before they go to oh, hype it up. That, but I guess that's my point is like, okay, like we're diehard Transformers fans that have done reviews of every Transformers episode almost throughout time almost, and, and yeah. stuff like that and He-Man stuff. So yes, we're gonna know the dates. But the common person isn't just going to be able to recall what year a random ass cartoon came out. Like, so give him a break is my point. Like, if you were, if I was trying to like name what year Bobby's World started, I don't freaking know. I, I might say the wrong year too, because I'd be guessing back to a point in my life. And if I got it off by a year or two, like, so what? Like, I get it. Like, the, the year was wrong and some of his facts are wrong, but that's because he's a common fan. He's not a diehard geek super fan of that franchise you know what i mean so like we all have a weird way of seeing things through our eyes instead of through like the masses eyes oh i know and and then there's the also the other thing that yeah he may not have been a huge fan of it back then right but working on a project is a totally different world so when you get to actually work on it then you become engrossed in it and then you're like oh yeah i'm i'm a super fan of this i love this this is great Right, right, right. Um, because you're you're totally you're like 110 percent in, and plus writing and directing and creating this addition, this continuation. Yeah, he's going to be super engrossed in it. Right. Like I could have a, a quote right now on Twitter or in some podcast we've done or some interview or whatever that I, I hate Power Rangers. I'm not a fan. Blah 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 blah. Ten years from now, maybe I am 
into it. You know what I mean? Like maybe I've had some reason to get like, oh, I guess the best example would be like anime. Like I'm pr- I've probably on the Geekcast Radio Network saying I don't like anime, blah, 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 blah. Then Cinema Geeks, we did uh, Miyazaki Spotlight and went through all of his filmography and I loved a lot of it. So you could easily take a quote of me saying I don't like it and then being like, oh, you're going to do a, a spotlight on this guy. But it's a, a constant, it's, it's a constant change. evolution. Right, so let's get off of the the need to create drama where there's not need of drama. And if you just go into this with an open mind, you're going to see that he, the love that if, if, if he wasn't it. if he wasn't a fan, uh, he must have surrounded himself with a bunch of fans because there is all kinds of nods and oh, yeah. and homages oh, yeah. and stuff like that. So calm down, people. That's all I got to say is calm the heck down. The um, other thing I wanted yeah. to talk about really quickly was. From syndication to streaming, how far Masters has come in the franchise's history? Because it went from five days a week on television to two parts on Netflix, or technically five seasons of of, of DreamWorks Shira uh, kind of thing. Like it's the evolution of the of the cartoons has has come so far now i personally love the fact that i can go to wherever and stream whichever series that's fine right. but it just man the times they have changed yeah and that's well, not necessarily unique to masters of the universe obviously no 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 but i'm but like, yeah but like well, normally cartoons back in the day like late 80s i would say the syndication game was kind of going out of you know was very rare after 1989 you would have five days a week Masters or Thundercats or Transformers. Obviously, Transformers ended two years earlier than 89, but I'm just saying it's interesting to see how far where the cartoons are being consumed has changed over the well, last and, four and years. Everything, and everything that is old is new again, too, mm-hmm. because they're, mm-hmm. they're going back to that 80s pool and resurrecting, mm-hmm. either continuing a show or completely rebooting it. Like, for instance, uh, I mean, we've had, you know, multiple He-Man, Transformers, Ninja Turtle shows and mm-hmm. G.I. Joe, and they've even gone and done Thundercats, and now there's a Silverhawks reboot coming. And, right. then, and then there's actually a second He-Man in the Masters of the <laughs> Universe uh, coming from Netflix Mattel later uh, this year that's totally separate from this, which is this is supposed to be a continuation of what we had as kids. Right, yeah. right. And that brings me to my kind of first point here is I wanted to ask you guys, and I know, Mike, you'll be able to kind of maybe go in a little bit more detail, but um, seeing that this is a continuation of the Filmation series without getting into spoilers and all that stuff like we're not doing today, but how well do you feel like this takes the Filmation series and just takes the next step and continues on like like there was nothing in between almost. By the power of Grayskull. It doesn't. Come on, Adam. How, how about we sit this one out till the bad guys go away? Sittings for quitting, Cringer. The sorceress needs her champion. By the power of Grayskull. Really? The reason why I say that, that it doesn't, is that 
He-Man and the Masters of the Universe was done at a time where no one, and most 80s shows are like this, no one cared about continuity-driven stories. Look at Tales of Eternia, our, what was that, the first, how many episodes did we do with that? We did that up to episode 45, maybe? Yeah, 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 45, 55, something like that. So basically, we watched all 130 episodes. There may have been a couple of two-parters in there, maybe just one, I think. But, like, every episode was its own story. And nowadays, we want continuity-driven television. We want a whole season based on this or a whole season based on that. So when they say to me that it's going to be a continuation of the old show. Okay. It's a continuation with the characters. It's a continuation with the fact that it's on Eternia, not earth or anywhere else. It's not on Primus or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, but like, I get the fact that you're saying that it's, you know, it's a continuity driven, you know, versus non, but I still think it does pick up what they had set up in that series. Like the characters are still, like the characters, you know, the the vehicles are still like the same vehicles. The the you know the other races and species are the same species. So it, it, to me, it is a continuation because they're not changing anything that's already happened. So they're they're taking what existed in that series and continuing a story with that setup. I guess is my point. Like they're not going back and like um, changing a gender of a character or changing the backstory of a character. The secrets that are alluded to in the Filmation series are still present in this series, and we'll get into that probably yeah. a little bit more in the spoiler episode, but right. all of that stuff is being continued into, like, they're they're picking up threads that weren't finished in that series and kind of going with that. So that's what I get mad about, again, kind of going back to that first thing where the, the internet gets freaked out and stuff like that. They're saying, oh, they changed my He-Man, or oh, they did this, or oh, they did that. They haven't changed anything, guys. No, they haven't they, changed anything. Continued else. a story, and when you continue a story, you write new chapters and you write new events, and you the characters make new decisions. All of that does not take away what existed in the '80s. They haven't changed no. anything. No, and here's the thing, and I've said this on many other shows. I've said this in all things Transformers and anything else. Generation one, Masters '83. Masters 90, 2002, it's all still there. All of that is still there. I think the thing with the saying it's a continuation, and again, I'm going to say I heard this from Kevin Smith because I heard him say this, it picks up right where the old series left off. No, it technically doesn't because the last episode, episode 130 was the cold zone. That was most definitely a one-off episode. So no, he means like where the characters were, like yeah. you know, which characters are there, where they're at, like who knows what, like that type of thing. It's not going to yeah. say like it's going to pick up right from the same storyline as yeah. far as like you know whatever was going on in that previous episode, but it's picking up in the same setting and in the same elements. Like you don't have to you don't have to relearn what's going on on Eternia. It's the same thing that was going on those last few episodes that you saw before the same people know the same things, that type of thing. Yeah. And I got um, way more of a 2002 vibe off this than, than visually, maybe um, visually, maybe and, and with no. a couple of plot. No, there's one plot okay. point where we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, but Mike, you can probably appreciate this too. And then I'll give Steve a chance to jump in though. Um, but even like, I, I like the attention to detail and the selection of which species are there. Like, even though they're background characters and even though they're not going to get any lines and they're not going to get named or whatever, they did, uh, some careful work on putting 
species in the background that existed in filmation. You even get the the um, Oedipus version, you know, the pre-Stinkor mm-hmm. version yep. walking around. If you look carefully, you get some of the same types of, whether it be like cat people or, you know, like different, mm-hmm. I, I can't name all the species off the top of my head, but that type of stuff that existed. I thought that was cool because they could have just com- completely created all these new species that we never saw in filmation. That would have rubbed me the wrong way. I'm not saying that there aren't some unique new things there, but they did their best to put in a few things that we had seen through filmation in the background, which I liked. Yep. Um, and then obviously you almost see more vehicles that existed as toys in the eighties than you did in the filmation series. Like, I feel like there's even more vehicles in this, even though it's only five episodes, you get a lot of the stuff that, it, you know, people might've had as toys when it came to vehicles back in the day. Um, I'm not saying that the filmation series didn't have a bunch of vehicles, but I liked that they kind of paid attention and gave you a bunch of cool looking vehicles that did exist as toys. Um, and then obviously I think they do a lot of not necessarily, they're not making fun of the cheesy eighties humor and dialogue necessarily, but they're acknowledging that it existed and they're kind of playing off of it in a way, like almost in a respectful way, but then still having fun with it without making fun of it, which I thought was good. So it doesn't turn into like a, you know, like a robot chicken or something like that, where they're just like poking fun at stuff that happened in the eighties cartoons, but they're mm-hmm. acknowledging that it was cheesy dialogue at times. So I kind of like that. They even brought the shadow beast back. So <laughs> um, Mike, you can react to any of that and then we'll get Steve a chance to kind of jump in here. I'm just going to say a few things and then Steve can jump in. The thing about what they put into this series, the, these first five episodes, like you were saying about all the vehicles and all the homages and all the, We've had f- almost 40 years since the original. So the original, they put in sky sleds or rotons or whatever the hell, mm-hmm. you know, wind raiders, all of that. Because, again, at the time, they were trying to sell toys. 40 years later, as you already mentioned, you, you Netflix is going to have two series. They're going to have this one, and then they're going to have He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which is probably going to be... For the kids and for the whatever, it's I'm not I don't know I've never actually seen anything about the other one, but it's one of those things where this series is the hey guess what you wanted this we're giving it to you you want all of this stuff you want all these homages that make sense into a story that works we're gonna give them to you and we're not gonna bash you over the head like when what what's what's one of the vehicles that shows up in this i'm not good with all the vehicle names but like anyway like the sky sled or 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 the wind raider or whatever like whenever a vehicle showed up in these five five episodes i'm like hey we didn't see that 40 years ago that's awesome that's cool and again the animation i believe i'm not looking right at it but i believe it's powerhouse animation that's doing this yep yep man this is awesome yeah. yeah The, the, maybe it was just that the vehicles looked that much cooler, even if they existed in the filmation one. It's like mm-hmm. they pop more in this one. So I just thought it was a whole lot of fun. And I, I swear some of those didn't. The, the, they existed as toys, but they didn't appear in the original filmation series. Or if they did, it was just briefly where it's here. They're almost featured more. And they'd look really cool with the powerhouse animation, uh, what they did with that. So um, I guess that takes us right into visuals. So, Steve, what did you think of, of the visuals? Anything specifically that caught your eye or kind of what, what were your takes on the, on the visual part of the series? Well, I, I, for one, I love the fact that they used traditional animation mm-hmm. instead of going CG with it. Uh, to me, I, th- I think that's kind of a lost art. And, and I realize that it's probably still digitally done. 
right uh, nowadays but it's 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 different it's not that aesthetic where they feel like they have to blow the whole budget on cg animation uh and i i just i loved how much it popped how much the colors how vibrant it was how much the the shine on certain aspects the attention to detail uh you know and if you look carefully in certain aspects you could see certain tech and you could see certain uh, uh little easter egg details in the episodes yeah absolutely even the water there was like oh, no. a sequence with water that just like looked perfect <laughs> we always bitched about the water in filmation <laughs> yeah this is real water uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they yeah, did go really good with a lot of it though and I thought they did good too because it's like a completely updated, modern, you know, visually almost more akin to what we got in 2002. But yet they found ways to kind of pay homage to the original series. Like they even got like Skeletor's Looney Tune face in there. Um, uh-huh. They did a couple things like that where it was like, oh, that was something that I remember from Filmation, but you've updated it and made it kind of look cool. I thought it'd be uh, interesting to kind of go through some of the characters, guys, and just real quick, which ones kind of stood out the most to you, which ones you thought worked well visually, and which ones maybe you didn't. I, for the most part, was a big fan of how most of them looked. I think the sorceress looked perfect. She definitely oh, yeah. caught my eye. Um, I think the only character that... I was a little disappointed from a visual standpoint was Adam slash He-Man. Um, oh. Yeah, to me, he just didn't quite look right compared to all the other ones that I just felt like were spot on. Evil Lynn spot on. Sorceress is perfect. Um, so what did you guys think, Mike? What do you think of the, the visuals of the actual like design of the characters? I'll let Steve go first. I haven't talked too much. Go ahead, Steve. Um, well, for me, I, I love the... Uh, well, whenever Skeletor was on on <laughs> screen, although just because I was a watcher of the original, the the voice change was a little little jarring at first. Yeah, uh, at first, but it, but Mark Hamill did very well with what he had. And then and then yeah, of course, Sorceress, Evelyn, um, Man at Arms. Tila, like a lot of those were pretty, uh, pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I thought so too. Like I said, I, I maybe have a small gripe with He Man or Adam, but Mike, what did you think? I, I think Adam fits the animation style. I think He Man is more classic action figure than mm-hmm. classic filmation, and that's fine. I have no problem with them doing classic action figure look for he-man adam yeah i wish his his clothes were a little a little different like a yeah. little less um a little less wool like i swear yeah. to god his his magenta sweater or sweatshirt or whatever that is that he's wearing it looks like it's a giant piece of a cat's hairball <laughs> at times to me um, but the design overall for He-Man, I liked it. Thought it was I interesting. Think it, I think it was the head or the face of Adam and He-Man that just were a little off to me. The body is all fine. Yeah, I, I think I think the head on the head and face on He-Man are fine, but Adam just he he looked like a puffer fish, right? We go look like looked kind of thing, and it just I, I don't know whatever. It, it overall though the animation is great, the character right. designs are great. Every other like. 
if one little if we don't like one little character mm-hmm. design, you know, it's not like it's the end oh, of the yeah, world yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of thing. No, no, no. But and I, I find it absolutely hilarious that they gave He Man his own magical girl transformation. I swear it looks like a scene out of Sailor Moon. And, I really and, like the transformation. <laughs> That's not a spoiler. Um, we can talk about the transformation briefly. I didn't have it in my notes, but I, I like the fact that during the transformation, they show each part of his outfit, like come on to him, like whether it be, uh, you know, the, the, the wrist things that there's a name for those that I'm blanking on or the, you know, the chest piece or different stuff. I thought that was cool. How it kind of showed it all coming together. Um, did so you I watch like that. that scene very carefully? I thought so. I watched Techni- it twice. Technically, you're looking at a naked He-Man as That's he gets fine. dressed. <laughs> they basically do that with Sailor Moon. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, 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 I like the transformation. I think the one thing that we kind of didn't get to yet that I'd like to go over, and then we'll get into the voice work a little bit, but um, going into the very first episode, you know, this is a five-episode part one type thing. So going into that first one, they did uh, an opening bit that has narration and then it has still images. Um, yep. This isn't animation, animation, so to speak. It's more like a still image look. It's a stop well, motion kind of thing, yeah. What were uh, well? It's almost. It's not almost even stop motion. It's more like an actual like painting almost that they're putting on, and then they had some movement. But I loved the open narration, and I thought those still images that they threw up there were freaking amazing. Like the scenes that they put together with both groups, like kind of going at each other and some of the different sequences that they put on there. I like, I could frame each one of those pictures that they put up there. I thought that was incredible. Um, it's, the, it's the old promotional back. art. It like, is the, it is the old box promotional art that they used to use. Like right, I remember epic. Yeah. I remember 10 years ago when we were starting this out, when we mm-hmm. started this show out, I found that exact image of, of the battle of the hero side. And that's one of the tales of Eternia images. So they, no, I I love that. I think that's great. And I also thought Steve, that they did a good job of balancing the information that they were presenting and setting the stage for that episode without like going overboard. Oh yeah. It was, it was totally great how they did that. That being said, I was slightly disappointed that we didn't get like a, an actual theme song. Yeah. I, I that's one thing I always loved of the old eighties and nineties stuff was the themes. Right. I wish they could have done something like an alternate version of the theme or some ode to the theme or something. I know there's music, I get that, but it's like I didn't feel like it was actually ever a theme song. So I being no. a theme song junkie, I, I was like, Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> so so here's the thing, since you brought this up. Bear McCreary is doing mm-hmm. the score. Bear right. McCreary is legend in the in the soundtrack business even though we don't have an actual theme song opening like my name is adam and i turn into this and oh no skeletor is going to explode it and the music is going even though we don't have any of that i know that once this thing hits netflix on july 23rd there's going to be a score released digitally somewhere at some point where we will actually be able to hear the overall theme because I remember Kevin Smith screaming his his lungs out about how awesome the Bear McCreary score is. And I think it's more so, it's not because they didn't want to put it in there, it's more so the time that's given to each episode Mm -hmm. and it's more so that society today 
doesn't want to sit through, I know, not us, but in general, who stream the, the people who stream stuff today, they don't want to sit through a minute and a half intro theme. They don't want to sit through. I'm, yes I'm gonna, and no. I'm, 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 I'm going to call you out on this, Kev. Cause no, no, your, the, no, you, no, 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 right. no. I, I, I want to do this really quick because I want to I make sure I'm right. Because I know with Knight Rider, I'm right. MacGyver. MacGyver had a whole opening theme with the cast and the this and the yeah, that. Yeah, it's right? my alarm clock sound. Okay, and that's that, that's geeky. <laughs> You're a geek. That's fine. It's not a problem. But what I'm saying is where television was 40 years ago, where we had the opening to, you know, and only three others know my secret, and it had right. the music behind it and whatever else. That was like um, 30 seconds to a minute more that they could use for story. I kind of like that they just go into the title card. I have no problem with the score. Like the guy does yeah. a good score. Like I'm not talking yeah, about no, that. No, no, no. You're just you and, and, and I don't need the I don't need the talking introduction. Like, I'm just right. saying I miss the that there's nothing there's no ode to dun 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 dun, dun. like something. Something yeah. that gives me that feeling that we're going into it. That's all I needed. So like I don't need like a full fledged like the whole word part narration. They're already doing their own narration. I just would have liked something that was like or at least in the maybe not in that first episode since you are doing all that talking but in episodes two through five you could have had some little quick ditty or something like i have no problem with the sound he does do a good score i'm not talking yeah. about score i'm talking about theme song so yeah, and, and, and i think what, what we're missing here is that yeah maybe the common person doesn't like to sit through theme songs but you'd be surprised at how many people like theme songs but on no, top I'm, of not, that, I'm not this saying is they being, don't. this is this is a series that at least half halfway is being created for fans of the original. This isn't, yes, they are trying to gain a new audience and get a new following and stuff like that, but it would be ignorant to say this is not also made with the thought that, Hey, we're, we're appealing to a, a big fandom that's already existing. And those people would be appreciative of a theme song, I think. But either way, I don't have any problem with the music, but let's get into the voices. Cause Steve already mentioned a little bit with Mark Hamill as Skeletor. Um, and so let's get into that, what worked and what didn't. So Steve, starting with you, any voices that you thought really fit well, or any voices that you kind of were like, mm, maybe not so much. Uh, well, honestly, I thought it was kind of funny that we, we had for the most part, a DCAU reunion with, uh, uh, Kevin Conroy, uh, Susan Eisenberg, Mark Hamill, Phil Lamar. <laughs> and then you, you of course get, uh, Diedrich Bader and then, uh, Kevin Smith's buddy, uh, or buddies, Justin Long and Jason Muse. Um, right. and then of course, Kevin Michael Richardson from other, um, Batman properties. Mm-hmm. Um, what I, what I did love is we got Alan Oppenheimer back. Yep. Even if he wasn't the, the leading role. Right, right, right. Um, I thought it was very cool to fit him in I, there. I, I thought that was very cool. Um, for the most part, the only one that I had, like the only ones that were jarring to me were Skeletor was jarring because it wasn't Alan Oppenheimer, but they were going for a little bit darker, grungier. Mm-hmm. And so Mark Hamill makes sense. Um, he plays villains. Well, uh, Merman, I felt like they could have put some kind of a, like, um, Almost like gargle. a Zoid, like a gargle or a Zoidberg type thing, you know, on mm-hmm. his voice. You know, almost they could have used uh, Billy West. Yeah, that and, and had him do like his uh, Zoidberg almost with Merman, and you know, just amp it up a little bit. Yeah, and that's but, nothing against Kevin Conroy, or, or he, he, you know, he performs it well. He acts it well. Yeah, I just feel I like just his that, voice would have yeah. fit a different character better. 
Yeah. Well, and either that or they could have amplified it with some like gurgling and bubbling and, you know, yeah. something that's, that's water, you know, amplifying his voice. Uh, other than that, like, I really didn't have a problem with anybody else. I did have some characters that kind of drove me nuts on the screen. Which, yeah, we'll probably get more into the actual characters on that second part, just because yeah. I think it's hard to do without spoiling some things. Yeah, you, you are correct. Um, but yeah, strictly voice-wise, and then I'll let you react, Mike, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with him. Merman was the one that I was the, the most thrown off on just because I loved the water sound that that they did with him in Filmation. So I was like, oh, come on. Um, and I think Kevin Conroy could have been like three or four other characters that would have been perfect. Um, the ones that stood out the most to me as being absolutely fantastic, spot on, like I can almost not hear anybody else do their voice now. Um, Liam Cunningham as, as man at arms was freaking amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that voice fit that character. Perfect. And Lena Hetty, um, mostly recently probably known for uh, game of Thrones as evil Lynn was perfection as well. Like I thought evil Lynn was perfectly voiced. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, the only other ones that I would point out is just because they're so identifiable, it was a little took me a little while to get used to Sarah Michelle Geller doing Tila. Mm-hmm. And Alicia Silverstone to me doesn't fit Queen Marlena. No. Um so like those two, I don't know if it's just because I know their regular voices and that's all they're really doing here is giving us their regular voice. Well, not that there's anything wrong with that, but when your voice is that distinct it kind of throws me off a little bit to put you into that character. Cause I'm just like, well, Buffy's talking to me right now um, or whatever <laughs> type thing. So I was thrown off by those two girls. Um, but other than that, like I said, I think evil and men at arms are perfect. Um, give me more on Oppenheimer. Um, and I actually might think that Orko is, even though it's a different voice, I think it's really quite well done and better than 2002. May the man rest in peace. Uh, yeah, the guy that did the 2002 voice was a little too high pitched, but I thought this was well done. Yeah. Griffin Newman, who does this one was very much Lou Scheimer, uh, uh, filmation type thing. Let's go around the room really quickly before I give my thoughts on the rest of the voice cast. We always, at least I always want two voices for He-Man and Adam. How do we feel that Chris Wood stood up to two sort of different voices for the character in comparison to, say, Cam Clark from 2002? I, yeah, I think I like his He-Man better. Um, I like his voice for He-Man better, but I, Prince Adam's kind of a character that his voice isn't supposed to be that great. He's supposed to be kind of the puny, like, kid, teenager, whiny type thing, almost like a Luke Skywalker version, you know, of a character. So, like, I get what it's supposed to be. I've never been a big fan of it in any of the series. I think Cam Clark did it best, but I do mm-hmm. like Chris Wood's He-Man voice, so I'll give him that. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm fine with it either way. I It didn't bother me. I don't need it to be two different people necessarily. I think it's fine that he's doing a, two different voices in the same, you know, actor. I mean, it's one of those things where I feel that if they're going to play the quote unquote Shazam card where Adam is a teenager and mm-hmm. He-Man is the adult, that the voice needs to be a little different. I will say that Chris Wood did a good job of, of doing that because his He-Man voice sounds nothing like his Adam voice to me. I mean, as far as the pitch between the, like, right. You know, um, who's, uh, younger, older, younger, older. I'm trying to remember. Anyway, you know, certain voice actors can do like take Phil Lamar, for example, 
he can pitch down his voice and sound like a little boy when in Justice League Unlimited kid stuff, when they get turned into kids. So you have kid John Stewart kind of thing. Uh, with Chris Wood, I find this absolutely hilarious. I completely forgot who Chris Wood was. Hmm. Chris Wood was Monel in Supergirl. Yep. So, yeah, and he's only 33, so I thought the fact that he was able to do the He-Man voice as mm-hmm. well as he did was pretty good because he's a little bit more aged to do an Adam um, in a way. So, I, I, yeah, I thought it was decent enough. Like, I don't know where I would rank him, you know, with John Irwin and Cam Clark and stuff like that, but yeah. I, it didn't throw me off necessarily or it yeah. wasn't a negative. As far as the rest of the voice cast, the only one that made, like, I completely missed that it was, I like, I don't know what it was. I, I guess she didn't say as if enough, but I completely missed that Silverstone was Marlena. Um, but the only one I, I the only one I don't like, and I know we don't live in a world where one voice actor can do three roles anymore, at least not when you get to the age that Alan Oppenheimer is. I am sorry. There is no way in hell anybody can tell me that Friggin' Milton from Office Space is a good cringer. I hated Cringer's voice. I didn't mind it. I hate it's the only thing with the voice acting I It was I slightly don't. annoying, but I didn't yeah. hear enough because right. he's kind of a tertiary character. Right, right, right. As yeah. far as I was Go gonna ahead. say, as far as Hamill with, with Skeletor. You can hear a lot of Joker there, but I didn't mind yeah. it. It's evil Mark Hamill, it's the Joker, it's whatever, it's okay it's not it's uh, but he acts it so well he does yeah 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 no absolutely but it you know (laughs) here's a little teaser for next episode folks when we give you the spoilers section you're going to be hearing from the joker so (laughs) uh but it's just one of those things as far as buffy is tila I'm like, when is Xander going to show up? When is Giles going to sh- That's all I could think of is that we're in living in a Buffy. Like, Buffy somehow got transported into Masters of the Universe. I like Tila's arc. I like the story that they told with her. And I like where they might eventually go with it. But I don't think Sarah Michelle Gellar was the best choice right. for her voice because Sarah Michelle Gellar's voice is, like, it isn't like getting Susan Eisenberg to come in to change her voice or it isn't like getting, and I'm not saying we needed Tara strong, but it isn't Tara strong coming in to come up with a voice for right, Tila. Right. That would have been better. But, and it's weird because it's like, I, and I'm not saying that these Sarah Michelle Geller and Alicia Silverstone haven't done a voice or two in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. But for me, when you're looking at this cast and you have people like, Mark Hamill and Diedrich Bader and Stephen Root's done a lot of voice acting. Kevin Michael Richardson, Conroy, Henry Rollins, Oppenheimer. Like these guys, Phil Amar, Chris Summer. Like these guys are voice actors through and through. And it, Our and it seems and it seems like for some reason they threw in Sarah Michelle Gellar and Alicia Silverstone almost as like the celebrity draw. But it's just a weird pick for me. Like I don't know. Like I just there were so many other people that could have gone with that had less recognizable voices or that are able to disguise their voice more. I'm not saying either one of them did a, I, well, I do think Alicia Silverstone kind of did a bad job, but I'm not saying Sarah Michelle Geller does a bad job. It was just jarring that it's Sarah Michelle Geller's voice. <laughs> like I couldn't get away from it for a while. So that I just, I think it was unnecessary. Like if we're not, it wasn't like a, um, you know, like current, animated movies where they just put all celebrities in the cast. Like let's get as many well-known names and throw it on a poster. So you want to come see, you know, the rock and, and whoever else talk 
Like, this is a voice actor cast. And then for some reason, these two are thrown in in these parts. So that was kind of odd to me, but um, this will be the hardest one and kind of the one, one of the last things we'll talk about probably with this non-spoiler discussion, but uh, dancing around it as much as we can without giving spoilers. How did you guys feel of the general tone of the series? Like the, you know, the rating type thing, like what they were going for, the tenor of the series, like the writing, the action, like how did you feel like that worked for you or not, uh, Steve? Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I honestly had no idea what to no, like what to think when mm-hmm. it started up. And then they, without getting stuff. into <laughs> without getting into anything, they kind of throw the book out the window as it were like right. it, it totally goes in directions you would never imagine and kevin and, smith kind of alludes to that a little bit he's like it's gonna start just like it was and then we're gonna like throw a big wrench in yeah and and he threw a big wrench in and it's i i actually didn't mind it it kind of it, it shook it up it wasn't in a bad way like i've right. seen i've seen transformer series do terrible uh <laughs> over the years and uh, we'll get into that in another episode. Mm. But uh, the like, for instance, the Machinima series, like that was just yeah, they had star power, but the rest of it was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's I, I feel like this one matured it in a way that wasn't Devastator's balls mature. Like it yeah. wasn't like we're just throwing like, and that's not mature. I mean, like it's for an older audience, but it's immature. But like, like they didn't just throw stuff in there to get like yeah. No. There's I think a cuss word or. or something in here somewhere to like probably elevate it to rating or whatever but they did it in a way that i didn't feel like i was watching something that i wouldn't be able to show my whatever age kid um obviously we all have different ages that we show people stuff but like i feel like a you know a young boy could watch this and you don't have to worry about him being exposed to something that he shouldn't be Mm -hmm. but it's not kitty it's not like something for little kids yeah, yeah, and and Kevin Smith had an interview recently, like a day ago or something, where he said that he wanted to basically do like what the Marvel Cinematic Universe did for, but do it for He Man, and then right. have Easter eggs thrown in, you know, for for fans of the original, and um, you know, just kind of try and uh, take the childhood and reserve it in a really appetizing way is what he says so so they basically don't ruin it they don't break your childhood they give it back to you mm-hmm. yeah. the one thing i find interesting is that in the press materials for this netflix instructed us to not reveal certain things hence why we're going to have a spoiler filled episode one of the things that they mention, they show in the final trailer. So how is that spoiling it if they show it in the final yeah, trailer? Yeah, they probably didn't have the final trailer done at that point. That's I fine. I That's fine. I'm just saying. I watched the, that final trailer like twice, and I'm like, but it's right there. It happened. Well, it, and what's what's funny is I, going into this to watch it initially, 
uh, before I let you guys in on <laughs> the fact that, hey, we got this. <laughs> um, I was reading the press release or the um, the information of, mm-hmm. of notes, and then they have these lists of do not tell. You know, don't these are embargoed until after the launch. And I was like, oh, so you basically gave me the entire plot rundown. Right. I'm like, without it, without needing to watch it. Yeah. I was like, oh, that that's unfortunate. The but I was like, part, now I'm going to look for it. Right. The fun part of uh, being able to watch this ahead of time, though, is there's so much misdirection in the trailers and in the promotional material that people think they know what's going on and they have no idea. Um, I mean, so, maybe some smarter fans have guessed certain things and this, that, and the other, but a lot of the casual fan is being thrown off by a whole lot of misdirection, and it's funny to watch them react that way. So, um, Mike, it's, go ahead. It's funny that uh, th- this isn't, and I'm trying to do crossover here since we have a Transformers person, well, even though we're all Transformers people, but since we have the Transformers guy on the He-Man show for the first time, What's so funny is uh, our good buddy Rodimus Primal, who's going to be helping us on one point of the parts of the top 100 Transformers characters countdown later this year. He was speculating about um, Air Razor and Laserbeak, and he's like, "Ooh, maybe that's Sky Bo- or uh, uh, Silverbolt, the Maximal Silverbolt." And I'm like, "Yeah, no, it's not." <laughs> yeah, kind of a so- thing. But so I, I think go ahead. Good. No, good. Sorry. Well, I just want to say, I'll give it, all you guys a chance real quick to say anything else that you want to talk about non-spoiler wise. But I don't have too much more that we can go over in my notes yeah. that that wouldn't be spoiler and spoiler. Good lord, I can't talk spoiling it. Um, but as you do that and give your final thoughts, I'm wondering, you know, just I know there's some recency bias here. We just watched it, etc. But um, especially Mike, since we've been through all of the stuff so far, with the exception of going in depth with the the Netflix Shira, where do you feel like currently Revelation sits? Even though we've only gotten you know the first part of it, where I'm do you not. Think it's- I'm not making that determination until I watch the whole thing. I okay. am not ranking it amongst the rest of it because this is only part one. I need the whole story. I want it all. You're you're greedy. For me, I I have really enjoyed this so far. Like I am on board one hundred percent. I am a big fan. I actually think, depending on where they go with this, this has a chance of being better than the two thousand two series. Maybe only for the reason that the two thousand two series never got to end. So if this like goes full on and does the story that they want to tell and has a fitting ending and whatnot, it is it could be the best from beginning to end series that we've gotten. Um, obviously I'm always going to have a special spot for G1 or G1. Good Lord for the original <laughs> filmation series. I'm talking everything here. Um, but for the original filmation series, I'm always going to have a special spot there. But you know, if this is a continuity driven story and it has a beginning, a middle and an end and stuff like that. And the visuals are so amazing. Like this could easily be near the top of my master's, uh, watch. And it's obviously better in my opinion than the new adventures. Um, but Steve, anything that you did not get to talk about, you know, non-spoiler wise before we, we move on? Uh, no, I, I just, I, I really enjoyed what they did with it and kind of evolving the series into something that I can enjoy now without having to put on nostalgia glasses to enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. So I know you guys are awaiting the release of this series so you guys can watch it as well. I'm just saying my only words would be go in with an open mind, forget the the toxic toxicity of the fandom, you know, give it a chance because if you go in with an open mind and just watch it for what you want to watch it for, 
I think this is going to work very well for people. Yes, there's going to be fans that are all up in arms. There's going to be people losing their minds and saying Kevin Smith ruined their childhood and why did he change He-Man and all this stuff. Ignore those folks. Watch it with a mature mind. It's a good series. And hopefully um, you'll tune back in after you watch it for us to go big time into spoilers. Right, Mike? Right. And the thing of it is, is the last few things I want to bring up before I run through the outro is that at some point, (laughs) and I will be waiting for all four of these to come out, but this actually is also getting a prequel comic book. It's going to be four issues. The first issue was released on July 7th. So once all four issues are coming out, we will have a crossover with the pull bag. And I assume once I send you the issue at some point or another, Kev, you'll want to do it because it's related to this. And I I enjoyed this. It's just, I don't, like I said, I'm a binger. I need to binge things. I I don't like, I need to control my entertainment. I don't like doing the (laughs) whole wait and see if it's good. Like I haven't, as of this recording, I will not and have not watched Loki until all six episodes of that. Are a lot out. of people are like that. I get it. You know, um, so it, we are also getting a <laughs> on June 10th, 2021, it was revealed that an after show titled revelations, the masters of the universe revelation after show would premiere alongside the series on July 23rd. So in the vein of like Chris Hardwick doing right. talking dead and, uh, and talking bad and all that, it's going to be hosted by Kevin Smith. Rob David and Tiffany Smith. So yeah. they're going to do an after show for this, which is going to be interesting because it means we get to do more episodes. Like we can watch that and we can comment on their commentary. Oh Lord. <laughs> I just think with what they did in the first episode of this part and what they do in the last episode, I'm very interested to see where they go from here because people are definitely going to have some reactions to those two things. And yes, um, they are. people are going to be very pissed off, but I'm holding out hope that, uh, you know, once you watch all the parts, everything will make sense. Absolutely. Any other final things you want to say, Steve, before I run through the outro? No, I think I'm good. All right. Thank you for listening to us as we are the masters of Grayskull as we give you the revelations. If you'd like to get in contact with us and leave feedback for the show, there are several ways to do so. Visit the website geekcastradio.com where you can listen to and comment on all of our posts. Here are all the ways you can listen to us nowadays, Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, and any other podcatching client you choose. Follow us on Twitter at GeekCast Radio is the network. At Power of Grayskull is the show. I am at TFG and Mike. Kevin, what is your Twitter? At Optimus Solo. And Steve? At SCP21. Become a fan on Facebook. Go to Facebook.com slash GeekCast Radio Network. We hope you enjoyed the Grayskull goodness today, and don't forget to join us in our next adventure when we will take you on a spoiler-filled journey through Masters of the Universe Revelations. For now, I am TFG and Mike with... Optimus Solo. Steve Megatron. By the power and for the honor of Grayskull, we have the power. He-Man. Hear me wherever you are. Grayskull is on.